Like, what if we just let him have his way? What if you really let all of your junk be nailed to the cross and buried and you received God's judgment over you as righteous? What if you let that be true right now, today, for the rest of your life and you never question it again? It's possible by faith. We have been preaching a gospel that is focused on man. Man sins. What man must do to be saved. What man must do to overcome his own weakness. They come looking for a God-centered gospel that brings freedom, but they aren't finding it because it's centered on what they must do, and it's not working. So they leave. Leave the church, leave the faith, leave God. This whole time, though, the solution is simple. Return to a gospel centered on Jesus. This alone will revive us from within and awake the sleeping giant that is the global church. What began as a simple gospel has turned into a brave movement. It's not starting. It's already begun. It's not about getting Christians back into the church. It's about reviving the church through a revelation of Jesus Christ. And what is the result? company of burning hearts ready and willing to transform the world. Hey y'all, welcome to the Braveheart podcast. It's Wesley here. I'm glad that you're joining us and welcome to this short series that we're calling Walking in the Spirit. As Christians, we're not just called to live our daily lives aimlessly, but we're called to be transformed into the image of Christ and walk as Jesus did every day. This week's episode is an oldie but goodie where Peter is preaching at CFNI on walking in the spirit versus walking in the flesh. But before we hop into it, I want to let you know that in February, we're going to be starting a series going over the book, Now That You're Born Again. If you're not familiar with it, Now That You're Born Again is a book that Peter wrote about growing up in God and going from a new believer to maturity in Christ. We're going to be going through it week by week on the podcast. And we also have a free study guide on our website that you can download to go through with us. I want to encourage you to buy the book if you don't already have it, and also to go through it with some friends or family or community around you. We really believe that this year it's important for us to learn how to grow up and mature in Christ and to walk in the Spirit. So we really want you to join us on this journey. Enjoy this episode. The the chapter this week in your book is, is dealing with sin. Uh, separating the sin from the, from the saint. Um, and so we're going to look at how we do that here. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter. Why? Come on, everybody. They were unable to enter the promise because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands. Everyone say promise. Promise. Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news, or the gospel, came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he said, uh, as he has said, 
As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, They shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, note that that disobedience and unbelief go hand in hand. The failure to enter, he said, was through unbelief. And now he says, they, they formerly received the good news, failed to enter because of disobedience. So obedience is faith. Again, he appoints a certain day today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Verse 11, chapter 4. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Check this out. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. I'm just going to finish this up because it's so good. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Say weaknesses. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, because of that reality, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen? So I'm going to draw you a picture here, because I'm an artist. Okay, this is the Jordan River. Okay? And here's the Red Sea over here. And you have Israel in the wilderness. Now what happened? What happened with Israel in the Red Sea? I'm I'm just I'm going to go through this text. So he's he's talking about rest. He's talking about the promised land. This is the promised land over here on the other side of the Jordan. It's the promised land, meaning it's land that was promised by God. God said, you will possess this land. You will occupy this dirt. And He promised them. Now, who who lived here? Giants. Okay. But biblically, they were what group of people? Canaanites. Okay, and the Malachites and all the other ites, right? The ites lived here, which were the enemies of God, right? So they were, they were enemies. Now, remember, remember why it's the Canaanites are the enemies? You guys remember why? Why? Because of what? 
Ham uncovered Noah's nakedness, and Ham's son Canaan became cursed. Why? Why would that? Why would that merit a curse? Ham literally walked in, saw his dad naked from his drunkenness. He went and mocked him, told his brothers, and when Noah came to, he realized what happened, and he cursed. He cursed the son, not Ham. Help me. Help me understand why. Like, why is that such an intense? curse for that. Because he didn't put the blame on, on, the, on, the, on the person that mocked, but his descendants. Why? And, and why, why was there such a curse? Why was that such a big deal? Because it was the same nature from the garden. Tell me more about that. Because uh, who uncovered Adam and Eve? The serpent did, right? Yeah. And, and, the, and in the garden it talks about the, the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There was a seed of the serpent. There was a seed. There was a bloodline of the serpent within the earth after that moment. Right? And the blood, the blood is the only thing that allows... It's it's the only thing that connects from one generation to the next. The blood, my, like my blood, I have blood in me from my fathers and from my father's fathers. So that that bloodline was within the Canaanites. So that land that they occupied, this is why they put them to death. Why? Because there was that same cursed seed of the enemy. It wasn't because God was mean and He didn't like women and children. It's because that seed was there. And, and in this time, the devil had the power of death. Do you understand that? God did not have the keys to death at this time. The devil had the power of death. He had the, the nuclear weapon, if you will. And so in order for God to preserve a line or a seed through His Son, through through Israel, he had to keep Israel alive. Had he not, had he not played by the devil's rules? So people say, well, how can the God of the Old Testament be like the God of the New? It's because God had to play by the devil's rules in the Old Covenant. Because he had to preserve his people. Otherwise, the devil would have killed Israel and prevented the plan. Is that helpful? So, so he says, he says something interesting. So he promises Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he promises this land. He says, this is your land. Does he not? He gives it to him. He goes, you're going to cross over. And it was given to them by a promise. Now, do you find it interesting that enemies occupied the promise? The enemy occupied the very thing that God promised to give them. Okay, now look, so here you have other enemies, you have Egypt, and, and it says something interesting in Hebrews, it says, who was he angry with? Who, who was he angry with? He was angry with these people, Israel, who experienced... Salvation.
Was it not those whom Moses led out of Egypt that he was angry with? Why? Why would he be angry with them? Because they had every reason to believe, but they didn't. Tell me about that. Well, they saw God move powerfully, and so they had no excuse to not believe. So they saw God destroy Egypt and their enemies, and all the mighty outstretched, the ten plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, and then they come into the wilderness, and they begin to wander, and when it comes to entering in the promise that for which He pulled them out of Egypt was to get them into the promise. Them going through this this salvation was in order to get them into this promise, right? He had to take them out of Egypt and into the promise, right? So there's almost three stages of Israel's journey. They were in bondage. They were wandering. And then you have the promise. Right? They were meant to occupy the land and become a blessing to the nations. This, this occupying of the promised land, they were to dispossess the enemy and become a blessing to the nations. And so, God says, listen, they were unable to cross this Jordan and go into the promised land because of why? Unbelief, Unbelief in what? Unbelief in the promise. So the same promise that took them out of Egypt was the same promise that was going to bring them into the promised land. And they couldn't believe it. Over here, God was going to give them houses they didn't build, vineyards they didn't dig, cisterns they didn't dig. It was going to be blessing. This was taking sin away from them. This was giving them what they didn't deserve. This is is where we're at today in the church. The church has faith and belief that God will take forgive you of your sin, but we do not have faith that God will give us what we don't deserve. God's going to make me righteous and make me like His Son. God's going to let me enjoy all the spoils of heaven and the heavenly places, every spiritual blessing in heavenly place. No, I don't believe that. You know, I don't have to work for that. I don't have to... There's a rest. Now, isn't it interesting that, that He calls this, when He crosses over, He calls that rest but they were still going to have to displace the enemy. Now, and this is what I, want to, I wanted to highlight this morning. So, it talks about the Word of God dividing between what? Okay, so we have our spirit, which is who we are. We are a spirit, right? We have a soul, and we have a body wrapped around a spirit, which is who we are. Okay? So, what we've been talking about in this class, this is just a visual to help you, is we've been talking about what's true in the spirit. Right? The struggles you have is your soul, for many years before we were saved, sin had darkened our spirit. Sin, remember when when Adam and Eve sinned? Sin started in their spirit. They died here. Then that death spread its way into the soul. And eventually, it killed Adam in his flesh. Right? 
but it started here in His Spirit. So the moment you get born again, what God does is He takes... It's a spiritual reality. He deals with the spiritual problem. Okay? I want you to see this. This will help you deal with sin. This will help you separate your sin from who you are. The moment you get born again, He makes your spirit righteous as His. How? Let me just show you real quick on the board. Okay? Hebrews 9 says this. It says, Just as it is appointed for man to die, and after that comes judgment, so too Christ will come a second time, not in reference to sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. So let me show you this. If I die with Christ, is that a real death? Yes. Does it count? Did His death count? Yes. Do I have permission to identify right now, today, with His death? Yes. Paul did, for I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. Romans 6, for one who has died has been set free from sin. Right? So it's appointed for man to die. Uno. So if I die, I've died. I died 2,000 years ago. I died once, and after that comes judgment. What was my judgment? That's my judgment. Is righteous. Why? Because I identified with Christ's death, with His burial, and I came to new life, and God looked at me and He goes, He's going to release a judgment now over my life. That's His judgment. His judgment, righteous. God doesn't just see you as righteous. He declares a judgment over you righteous. And that's the gift of righteousness, is the judgment that He makes to the one who's identified with the death, burial, and resurrection. That's why when He comes back a second time, listen, He's not coming back in reference to sin. Why? Because sin was judged on the cross for the believer. So, here's the issue that you face. Is your spirit's righteous, but your soul and your flesh is still conditioned with sin. The struggle you've had in this class is because you're looking at the flesh, and you're, I keep pointing to the spirit, and you're going, yeah, but look at the flesh. Yeah, but I don't feel that way. Yeah, but you don't understand. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you to realize there is a reality in the Spirit. You can walk by the Spirit. And when you walk by the Spirit, check this out, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Why? Because you'll be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is your soul. So your transformation comes from the inside out, just like Adam's death came from the inside out. So what I've been endeavoring to do is to get you to renew your mind and to go, you know what? As a Christian, as a believer, I have permission from God to live by the Spirit. And what's true in the Spirit, I'm going to enter into by faith, not in unbelief. See, that's the the challenge. That's what Israel faced. They said, well, I, I just, I don't know, like... I don't know if I I can do that. I don't know if I can walk righteous. That's called unbelief. 
That's why it's the biggest sin. You're saying, I don't actually believe God. You made me righteous. Do you see how that's the ultimate? You can't have rest in your spirit and overcome sin in the soul and sin in the flesh. You cannot have rest unless you believe by faith the good news that was preached to you. This is why this is so important. Yeah, so your soul is like your chooser. It's like your will. It's your thoughts, it's your will, it's your emotions. And so many, many Christians I see, they live according to, to how they feel and how they think. That's their reality. And I'm presenting a spiritual reality that's bigger than how you feel and how you think. Now, let me, let me encourage you. When you live by the Spirit, your feeler and your thinker and your willer, it will come underneath that reality and you'll feel righteous. You'll feel peace and you'll feel joy. But it's only by the Spirit because you are a spirit. And the Word of God, that's why the Word of God is so important. Because what it does is it divides it divides between spirit and soul. It helps, you, it helps you cut through and go, wait a minute, this is just how I'm feeling. There is a reality in heaven by the Spirit. The Word of God gives me access to. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. That's why the Word of God is so important because it takes a, 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 this double-edged sword knife and it just fillets your soul away from your spirit and it gives you this ability to walk by the Spirit. And when you walk by the Spirit, you can put to death the deeds of the flesh. Why? Because I am a spirit. I'm not a body. Right? I am a spirit. So when I see something in my flesh, my spirit man rises up and goes, man, I'm, I put you on that cross. Like you, you, you walk in authority. You walk in confidence. You walk in boldness. You walk in hope. You walk in joy. Like you're never like, you know, Debbie Downer, like, well, it's just a hard day. No, why? Like circumstances are real. I know you guys are going through them right now. They're circumstances. This, this reality doesn't change your circumstances. It doesn't change the fact that your mom's not saved. It doesn't change the fact that you've got bills to pay. Like that, it, What it does is it gives you access to a perspective that you walk and you become more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror. Because now you're living and walking by the Spirit and you're access, accessing provision. Just like the, the guys, the, this whole Old Covenant paradigm with Joshua... How did they, how did 300 Gideon's men destroy Midian? They accessed a power that was beyond them. God was fighting for them. So in, in our Christian walk, we're like, well, how come God doesn't fight for my. Have you ever read those old covenant stories? And God's just putting folks to death. God's just hailstones coming down on folks. More died of hailstones. They're marching around. Walls are coming down. Like God's giving them victory. And all they're doing is just showing up. And they're not doing anything. They're not, they're not flexing. They're just marching around, blowing trumpets, banging pots. It's absurd. And now in the New Covenant, we take ourselves so seriously. Like, well, I've got to fight this thing. I've got to get my, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible. I'm gonna, and we do all these things. Why don't we let God fight for us? Why would God, if God would fight for the old covenant people that way, you're telling me He's not going to fight against lust? He's not going to fight against anxiety? He's not going to fight against debt and poverty? Like, He's mighty to save. He's your God. What, what use is it having a God if all of the responsibility for your freedom's on you? Why have a God then? Just give up God and go join a social club and try to do good. If it's all responsible for you... 
But I'm, I'm preaching covenant. I'm preaching boasting and hope and joy and confidence in Christ. Rest for your soul so you're no longer like, you know, this, doesn't, this whole thing doesn't rest on you. You have a God in heaven who will fight for you. He'll fight for you. How cool is that? Like, He has covenanted to fight for you. Like, oh Lord, I'm just, He'll fight for you. I'm encouraging myself right now. I'm needing to hear this. I am. I'm preaching to myself. I got stuff in my life right now that's hard. Really hard. And I'm, I, as I'm saying this, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm getting delivered right now. This is how it happens. This is how it happens. I'm getting delivered right now. This mindset, this something was just, I mean, it was crushing my soul driving in here. But see, and I come, here's, the, here's what's so cool. My soul, just real talk, my soul was being crushed. But I don't come and preach out of my soul or teach out of my soul. I teach out of my spirit. And my, my spirit man, y'all, my spirit man, he's doing real good. He's doing real good. And when I start talking about the word, I'm reminded of who I am. And, I'm, and, I, and I stand in that place of authority and I can feed you. Why? Because of my boast and my hope in Jesus. It has nothing to do with how great and super I am. There is a reality that, is, that keeps me consistent. It's not changing. You know, that's one of the coolest things about the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It just, it's just there. You, there's never a time where you cannot access His perspective, His truth, His power, His grace. Never. But what sin does, what discouragement does, is it hardens your heart. It gets you feeling like the sky's falling in on you. You feel hopeless. You feel like a victim. You feel stressed. And that's not faith. That's not the rest of faith. You were meant, like, I, I feel like sometimes guys in the church, we've made so much a process of our, like, freedom. And I think God will save you and set you free a lot quicker than, than like, if we just let Him. You know, if we just let him like, what if we just let him have his way? What if what what if let me just pose a what if what if you really let all of your 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 junk be nailed to the cross and buried and you received God's judgment over you as righteous? What if you let that be true right now today for the rest of your life and you never question it again? It's possible by faith. No. Like, you could make a decision today with your soul and go, you know what, I'm going to live like this is true. Why? Because, because this is Jesus. This is, I'm putting something on Jesus. I'm putting all my eggs in His basket, and I'm going to live like this is true. What if you did that? You would run really well till the day He comes back. But what happens is we get life happens and we get discouraged. And even though this is true, we may do something wrong. And all of a sudden we start questioning the reality and the promise and and, and all the new covenant. Why? Because of what we see in the flesh in our mind, the mind that is set, the soul, the mind that is set on the flesh. Romans 8 is death. It's hostile towards God. It's, it's an enmity towards God. So when you're thinking, this is why this is so crucial. Hear me. When your mind is set on the flesh, what you do and what other people do, it's hostile towards God. Romans 8, my Bible says that. It's hostile. You're at enmity with God in your mind when your mind is set on the flesh. But with the mind that's set on the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. So this is how you deal 
This is how you separate in your heart and mind. You realize there is a reality. Sin may be jacking with your soul and jacking with your flesh, but you have a hope because you're born again of the Spirit. And you've got to learn to separate the two and learn to live by the Spirit and not be tempted and deceived by the flesh. Now, you read in the book and you know what I believe. I believe that if you sin in the flesh or you're having sinful thoughts, the act of confession to one another and to God is a relational act that fuels intimacy. It it should be done. I'm not proposing that you ignore it. I'm not proposing that you pretend like it didn't happen. I'm just saying you don't let it define who you are. Because you're in covenant. And like a little child, you can go, you can acknowledge. I can acknowledge when there's sin in my life. And I can go, man, Lord, I'm, I'm unable to manifest your righteousness in my flesh. That's how, I, that's how I say it. I'm unable to manifest your righteousness in my flesh, like in what I do. I, I don't let that condemn me. I just say, Lord, but I want to. I bless you in Jesus' name to walk according to the Spirit and to dwell on the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done and who you are now because of him. We love you. We bless you. We'll see you next week. Be brave.